0: Welcome back to the fifth episode of Purpose Driven Law. I am your host, Amy Berry. If you're new here, Purpose Driven Law is a platform that's designed to share the stories and experiences of leaders in the legal industry who pursue their purpose through their practice. Remember, you can find my podcast on uh, my YouTube channel, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. Okay, so guys, today um, we have Sam Moeli. Am I pronouncing that right, Sam?
1: That will do. You're like Hawaii.
0: Hawaii, Moali. Okay, cool. <laughs> Anyways, he is a legal disruptor and a law firm owner of six law firms, but He's more interested in really disrupting the legal market. Uh, I've known Sam for probably about five years, I want to say. And I have really been able to see Sam sitting in the background, just one word scale. Um, He has scaled three of his law firms to multi-million dollar firms from scratch. And he he did all, all of this before he turned 33. So if that doesn't make you feel like you're not doing enough, I don't know what is. <laughs> so one of his law firms is operating at a 20 to $30 million level. However, he spends most of his time helping lawyers around the world create their own automated scalable law firm inside an online program called My Legal Academy. Uh, Sam shares the real strategies he uses to run and scale his six firms using top paid ad sources, funnels, automation, AI, chat GPT, virtual assistants, and more. Sam, welcome to Purpose Driven Law. How are okay. you?
1: Good, amazing. And I feel like when I... Heard about you uh, starting this podcast? I'm like, yes, you're you're doing something that's so meaningful. Um, I know a lot of there's so many things out there that are surface level. This is on a deeper level, so I'm all cool. about, I'm all about that, and hopefully we'll explore that today.
0: Totally cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just uh I really feel that this industry needs these kind of conversations. It's always so brick and mortar and always just like so surface level when you know, we're all human at the end of the day, and we all pursue our purpose. And what I've really found throughout my career over the six to seven years that I've been in this industry is the people who really stand out and the people who are really hungry for leaving a legacy pursue their purpose through their practice. And it just shines throughout all areas of their life and i'm just so happy to have you on the show because this is a person that really just like his actions speak volumes his results speak volumes and you are leaving an insane legacy and for those of you that are watching i can only count four but i'm sure there's like 20 of these really amazing awards that you get are those the click funnel awards right or the facebook awards
1: yeah the ClickFunnels awards for basically generating million dollars online but what yeah. i love about it is it was a goal that was set out and yeah. honestly if it wasn't for these i don't think i would have got there at least that fast um so yeah just that's what makes me feel good to be able to achieve goals and also take it beyond what it is, uh, Which is, totally. is we'll talk about that today
0: yeah, 100%, 100%. So share with us before we get into the nitty gritty, like, who is Sam? Where did you come from? Tell us a little bit about your story. Because I know um, from doing my own research, you have a really, really fascinating one. And uh, I would love to hear.
1: Sure. So I was actually born in Iran, uh, which is an Islamic kind of Republic of Iran, an mm. Islamic country, but I'm Jewish. Um, mm. which is a little dichotomy because you know just different religions and and the government isn't really pro any other religion
2: mm. um, so anyways
1: uh, for the hundreds of years uh, Persians have lived there I believe for yeah hundreds of years at least um, but uh, before the revolution happened I believe in the late 70s I want to say or late 60s 70s I'm pretty bad in history um, people started leaving um, the Jews started leaving um, and going across Europe coming to a lot of people came to United States
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I always I would always hear United States United States America 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 the it's kind of like the feeling was always the grass is green on that side I would hear nonstop,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then finally um, when I was about uh, eight years old my family finally decided to finally leave um but that decision wasn't taken lightly because you imagine you're been you're you're living in a house you've been living here for multiple mm-hmm. generations you're successful mm-hmm. a lot of people have real estate but now you got to completely leave that behind and completely just uh, you know start start fresh mm-hmm. um so that was one big thing and the second thing is when you make this decision you can't really put it out there and you have to do it quickly because if the government finds out then they'll they'll try to stop you or try to arrest you so literally from decision to when we had to literally get on an air, uh, airplane to leave was like two or three months.
2: So wow. we quickly
1: kind of did a state sale, whatever, people would just come to our house. We would say, "This, is, this." Ca-. I remember to have these scenes where we would say like, this cabinet is this much and they would like lowball us and we couldn't really go back and forth because we couldn't really, you know, come off. Desperate, we had no choice. So basically had to quickly sell things. Um, went to Austria for four months to get our, citizen uh green card i believe and then came out to los angeles and i've been living here uh in los angeles since i was uh, nine years old um Mm -hmm. i'm so happy to be able to do that uh just comparing myself what would have happened if i would have stayed there Mm -hmm. um you know the freedom and the success and the family and everything else that comes with uh, everything that america kind of grants us you know i don't take it for granted at all and i Mm -hmm. feel like it takes also to people who haven't have earned it who have earned to kind of be here and started from uh, scratch those are the people that I think that really again don't take it for granted and are able to achieve even bigger and better things
0: mm, wow thanks for sharing that yeah I'm just like picturing this eight-year-old little boy just going through this chaotic life event and just you know it did you know what was going on or did you were you just like oh like mom and dad are just leaving like did you have any grasp on what, what danger you guys were actually in at eight?
1: I, I think that I, came, I came at a pretty good age, but I know people like who came during high school or college, mm-hmm. it was much harder for them. So it was relatively relatively easy for me. Um, yeah. You know, basically my biggest challenge, at least initially, was just to learn English. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but the problem is I just got dropped into, into, uh, into school and there was nobody who spoke Parsi, so I literally had to learn English from desperation, but it didn't take long, just from watching a lot of TV, and just watching TV with the captions, I think was the way that I learned how to speak totally,
0: English. Totally, just getting crucified by fire, like, figure it out.
1: <laughs> There's no yeah. bad learning experience.
0: No, no kidding, no kidding. I've been trying to learn Spanish for, like, three years now, and
1: it's just... <laughs> best thing is to maybe just go to a Spanish speaking country for a couple of well, months I've, I've
0: even moved to Mexico and it's just <laughs> still not it's it's still a working progress It's a goal of mine <laughs> but wow that's amazing so LA you moved to LA when you were nine and then where did this whole like techie entrepreneurial genius <laughs> where did that come from
1: like it was just very good timing. So I'm 35 now. So at the time when I grew up, like in elementary school, mm-hmm. I remember the first social media that I was exposed to was uh, was LiveJournal. Not that people know about LiveJournal, but it was basically the biggest social media before MySpace. Okay. Um, we were like in fourth grade, I want to say, and it was one of those. It was basically like a blog. Um, but it was it was so funny. It was one of those things where like you have this online life where the kids during in the class all interact online, but when you come to school, nobody knows each other and nobody talks to each other was yeah. one of those things for a couple of years. And then when MySpace came out, I already was kind of got my hands wet with LiveJournal. I already know what it took to be able to kind of do well with that. So when MySpace got on, I got really aggressive, started adding as many friends as I possibly could, yeah. um, posted more, engaged more. And I basically became my first initial kind of social media startup was MySpace Sam. Some people <laughs> called it a joke. It was like MySpace spam, but... So it became MySpace Sam. And then, so that was MySpace. And then when Facebook came out, same thing, got on it early, um, was aggressive with it, you know, grew a lot of friends, that became its old thing. Mm-hmm. Then Facebook happened, and the next thing happened. Um, but I was, I was always like somebody who would kind of see trends before that would happen and just be aggressive with it. I wouldn't question things. I'm kind of, I do kind of see myself as like, kind of uh, instinctual. So if I do something, I don't really question, I just do. <laughs> Um, and that has kind of you know, panda kind of jumping on things early mm. and just being aggressive.
0: Mm. So like you are really good at building communities is kind of what I'm hearing.
1: Like- it's understanding, I think the deeper level is really understanding what business is really all about and mm. really, and really focusing in on that. It was something that I lesson that I learned is that the who matters more than the what. Um, yeah. so when I, before legal funnel happened um i always had an interest i always had an interest to like share and give whatever i knew best so and i was growing my law firm and i'm like you know what i'm gonna start sharing these uh these things so i created a group thanks to somebody it was it was a it was a facebook group that i was uh, i was in um and i was just giving answers and Mm -hmm. i guess some some people who owned that facebook group kind of kid you're like who is this kid and why is he answering so many people's questions and I wasn't honestly I was just doing it just to answer people and just be helpful Mm
2: -hmm. but they
1: I guess it was threatening to them they kicked me out and I was offended I'm like why are you kicking me out I'm just like answering people's questions with like no other alternative Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of inspired me to create my own Facebook group Um, um, so for six months kind of just providing value uh, engaging and then um, when I finally decided to basically be able to actually serve the legal market, now I had my own community to tap into. So I strongly believe if you're trying to do anything with business, focus on the who first, serve the community, just like how Amy is doing with this podcast, <laughs> then all the relationships and everything comes on the, front, uh, on the back end of that. And again, yeah. it's all about, and people can understand intentions and people can understand energies and things that really transposes itself across whatever kind of medium so Mm -hmm. I'm all about that I understand that I I live and breathe it so yeah I'm I'm all about it
0: yeah you have a very um authentic and um authentic and gentle spirit to you you can really tell that and you can just tell that you just want to help and um I think that's beautiful so, what would you define? how How would you identify what your like vision or purpose is currently, and how has it evolved throughout the course of your career?
1: I think ultimately, my purpose is to help people tap into their own potential that they have that they don't realize that they have.
2: Mm. ultimately
1: For some reason, I could see people's potential. And I could see um, what they're capable of a lot better than other people can see it in themselves.
2: What that do you something-
1: look for? Yeah. Jordan. What is that?
0: What do you look for? Like, how can you? What What characteristics can you see in people? And you're like, I I want to I want to help you. What What do you see?
1: I, I see more of people holding themselves back because of self talk. So Mm -hmm. a lot of it is I realized it's all about success really comes down to you. You're the only, you know, the variable in this whole thing called life. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, if we can tap into you and your belief system, that's first. And then obviously we can get into the skills that you built over time to get better. But first you, your belief in yourself, then seconds, those tactics and techniques that will help you get there. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I love that.
1: And a lot of it just comes down to confidence building. Um, it's, uh, I think something that was, was very clear to me was when I saw someone else do something, it was my first time with like with online, when I was to out online stuff. There was somebody who was very successful who was passing, referring me um, all of his clients for me to s- s- set up their LLCs. I'm like, how is this guy, you know, starting hundred different businesses for people? And I'm um, like, wait a minute, he's not, it's not anything crazy. He just I was able to find an offer that people like he understands marketing, he has a good team to be able to onboard them. He's able to offer a good service and he's just scaling it up. I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound that bad. If I can do it, so can I. So uh, you know, kind of piggyback off that he can do it, so can I. And then as, when I started also sharing my what I what I'm doing, I realized that people are piggybacking off what I'm doing and seeing that hey, it's, it's not that hard. You know, you could generate clients, you could serve your clients, you could scale this up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's good to develop to Kind of see that, you know, um, kind of see it get get done. And then at that point, it becomes easier to kind of visualize in your head and then just go do it.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So would you say that you like the vision that you had for yourself when you first started your career, would you say that you're living that right now? Or do you still have like so much more that you want to hit?
1: No, there's no way that could have imagined um, this vision, whatever I'm living now um, is what it is now. I strongly believe that you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will feel like they know what they know. But I think once you really think deep and how much your life has transformed to what it is now, you realize it's not what you really expected because a new person could come into your life and completely change the picture.
2: So Mm -hmm. instead,
1: what I try to do is just uh, just focus on what I'm doing on a daily basis um, based on principles uh, frameworks, principles, whatever you want to call it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and then let uh, and then not question where I'm going, uh, but have a plan or vision where I would like to go, but mm-hmm. let the rest play itself out and not really question it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people try to kind of guide it or like I want it to be like this, and like who says you have to be like this, and or or who says this is the best thing for you? Maybe there might be something even better for you, or or maybe what 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 kind of information you may have in six months may, may change your mind so you really can't you got to be kind of versatile to be able to constantly be on the lookout to be open to change at any any at any time
0: oh that's so true that hits like that hits so many things um i just yeah i really do think that people just put themselves in this box like this limiting box because they want to control everything but like Truth is, the more that you're in this game and the more that we live this thing called life, I think the ones that the light bulb starts to go off is understanding we're not in control and figuring out, all right, so these are my gifts, abilities, and talents. This is what I really enjoy doing. How can I surrender and just let those things evolve? And where is that going to take me? I, you just really hit so many things on the head. And I love that you brought that up. Um, and
1: it's, and it's all based on expectations. So instead yeah. you you control what you can control. And the rest is in essentially in God's hands. Yeah. Uh, and then dropping those expectations of how it should be, or what I think the biggest one is like, how people should be towards you. That's something mm-hmm. that I think let's speak deep, deep about that is you know expectations of people to us, right? I'm sure anybody you could relate and everybody could relate about this you know, nobody owes you anything in life. Nobody needs I, to do anything for yeah. you. <laughs> and if you're I mean, sitting here waiting for someone to do something or say something to you, man, you're going to be waiting for a long time. So uh, dropping all expectations, letting go completely and just, you know, being yourself. Um, not, actually, no, I don't believe in being yourself. That's, that's the thing. But being good and doing good will ultimately lead, lead you to good.
0: Mhm. Yeah, so true. Karma is real. Karma is a real thing, people. <laughs> um so you mentioned principles. What are I call them core values, but principles are along the same things. What are those principles that you live your life by and how do you implement them in your day-to-day personally and professionally into your businesses?
1: Um a lot of the principles that i kind of live by are uh, principles from the torah Mm. Um, the jewish bible uh basically um you know i I don't think i'm that smart to be able to figure out on my own so instead i just go to the resource the best resource that i have that's been there for thousands of years i don't have to figure it out so a lot of those things you know obviously there's some things that resonate more than others um, but one kind of long-standing principle is do to others as you want to be done to you easy principle to really understand the golden Um, yeah golden rule um and then there's like two that uh, two other ones that always stands out for me i was instilled this is like be good and do good and i the order really does matter too. um be good first versus doing good you really have to feel good and be good uh before we even get to doing good Mm. um so kind of you know instill that and that ultimately means you got to be self-sustaining you got to be happy you got to feel good um you got to get basically yourself in check before you can you know do other things um and then the other principle is kind of like being all giving with no expectations uh ultimately i think that's what god is he's completely all giving he doesn't need anything from mm-hmm. you so um kind of trying to get as close to that as we possibly can without yeah. any expectations at all so yeah. um, you know the best relationships are ones where you don't ask for anything you just you just try to give as much as you possibly can. And it's not, there's no end to it too. A lot of people feel like it's too much. Can you love your kids too much? I'm like, there's no such thing. So now love endlessly and love as much as you can.
0: Yeah. Being totally selfless and not expecting. Yeah. That's great. When you say be good, feel good. It's so easy to say, but like, how do people do that? How do you do that?
1: Everybody has different recipes. Um, so you, everybody has to kind of do some soul searching to find what those things that make you happy. Yeah. Um, I found out, pra- uh, practically, I think it's owning your morning is very practically, very important. Really? I know these are the cliche kind of things, but really like your momentum, how you start your day really dictates your day. So I try to make sure to have the best morning, uh, possible, which for me is basically, uh, my optimal ideal day, which we try to, I do about three out of five weekdays is I wake up at uh, 5 10 in the morning um and i start uh go to his Torah class basically at 6 a.m until 6 45. Do six, that
0: online or
1: in person? No, in person uh with wow. about 30, yeah, with about 30 uh, young people, which is is also like a social aspect of that too, which is nice. Uh, and then, yeah, and then from 645 to 730 um praying uh together. Um sometimes there's classes afterwards, but I usually leave um and then i leave for uh, ideally i go to a personal trainer three times a week which gives me a lot of energy for the rest of the day but if i can do that if i can wake up early go to class and work out then i have like literally the most outstanding amazing day within a surplus of of energy even at five o'clock when i finish work i'm like still jumping off the walls because I <laughs> have such a good energy from from the morning
0: so many endorphins yeah totally yeah Um, so that's how you, so that's how you feel good. I totally agree with that. Like my mornings, if I have a crap morning, I am ruined for the rest of my day. Like my morning ritual is so sacred to me.
1: Sacred. That's the perfect way to say it's sacred.
0: Yeah. And like my quiet time, my time with Jesus in the morning, that's like my cup of coffee. So like, I, I totally understand that. And I'm so jealous that you have, uh, like a physical community because with, us living my husband and I living in Mexico here it's very difficult to find like your your spiritual family in like in face to face so I can't wait to go home to Canada to actually have that again so and it's so important so so important um all right so be good feel good and then be all giving Obviously we can't like how how our thing, how do you how how do you give all? because that is such a loaded um, just a loaded concept. And I feel like in today's culture, you said it before, selfless. Our culture today is selfish and it's all about the self. It's all about self-love. It's all about me, myself, and I, my money, getting my bag, like my this, my that, whatever. How do you check yourself and put you back into that selfless less state?
1: Um, I feel like some people are more inclined than others to give. Some people, I think, have to work a little bit harder. I think I'll be transparent. I feel like I was a little bit more blessed to be a little bit more inclined to do it naturally um just kind of I grew up i uh, remember in being in school i would just i would create outlines and i would just without anybody asking i was like hey you want the outline too like sure i would like and then i became like, like like the outline person just sharing it and then when i started also learning stuff i'm like i would learn something but uh, in the back of my mind i'm like oh this other person could also get something out of this too so i would share it with them naturally mm-hmm. but now kind of uh, i feel blessed to be able to actually have a structure where i could actually give freely and um not only give freely but also get paid for it which makes it even more amazing to wow. you know kind of be incentivized to it but now i, I essentially i do it naturally um, um natively um and you know it feels good um if you know i think it comes down to practice too a lot of people um aren't used to the practice of giving um, i actually just realized this uh realized this this week i was i was helping out uh, with a big fundraiser, we had to we had a goal of raising about half a million dollars for a Jewish organization and um I had to ask a lot of people to be able to uh, to be able to get us there. And some people that I'm completely uh, that are doing really well, I know these people that are like multimillionaires, real estate people that would the amount that would give was like shocking to me. versus some people who weren't necessarily you know necessarily doing that well that would give bigger amounts. I'm like, what's going on? And mm-hmm. I realized those people that are, I give less are not really used to giving you know they haven't built up that habit of giving so by the time somebody has asked them like they're not used to it
2: mm-hmm. versus
1: people who are used to giving and on a, and also can continuously look to like increase those amounts to or the people that are like just give very quickly and give you know bigger amounts so i guess mm-hmm. it comes down to practice
0: yeah it's a it's it's funny a, a big thing that i'm i've i've always known this like i've grown up with it but me now being an adult is really realizing that none of it is actually ours and it's god's at the end of the day and the more that we give the more that we're blessed which sounds kind of ridiculous but you know it just makes you it makes It makes yourself prepare your heart in a different way when you are giving in those types of ways. And it's more so than just giving money, it's giving your time, it's it's giving your knowledge. It's just, you know, know, there's a whole bunch of different ways to give, but, you know, that's a, that's kind of a journey that I've been going through over the last year, year and a half is just really, truly understanding that. Um, And it's just so cool the way God works when you surrender into
1: that. Um I, I'm all for that too. Uh mm-hmm. re, deep down like with conviction, realizing that it's yes. none of it is yours. Yes. Um and you're just uh something about different different definitions of vessel or a whatever you're yeah a third person, whatever you want to call it, middleman uh, to be able to to be able to, you know, um uh you know receive it but it flows through you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, yeah I agree I agree. Two most influential people in your life
1: i one because I feel like that one person is made up for two people yeah. uh it's my it's my mentor uh his name is Hamid Cohen um works at Legalsoft I'm sure Amy did um,
2: I meet
1: him uh you you met him three years ago been this year but I feel like he's blown up he's blown up a little way more in the past year or two, and his company is also blown up it's it's crazy how much has grown, but anyways, um, I met him four or five years ago while I was started, when I started figuring things out, I started doing it for other lawyers and he was one of the COOs of one of these law firms. And we became close through that. And he started kind of mentoring me on one of my law firms. And he was able to kind of help me grow my law firms, uh, grow my first law firm. Then through that experience, he kind of helped me figure out what my strengths are, which for me, it's kind of client generation, automations and systems and mm-hmm. scaling essentially. So it got me to kind of focus on that and then surround myself with people that can do the rest when it comes to, you know, building out teams for getting clients signed up, building out teams to either take on the clients or to refer them out to whatever that is. Um, kind of helped me kind of work to my strengths was the big thing that it helped me think. And the other part was helping me to think big. Think big. I remember this lesson, you just like think big. And I'm like, like I'm like, I'm going to go get a big poster on my wall. It says think big. And I, within a week, I got that poster. And ever since then, the mentality is kind of anything is possible. Um, mm-hmm. that's just you know, let's create big targets, big goals, and um, work backwards, um, you know, on based on this vision of where we want to be. First writing that down, then kind of uh, planning backwards, which is basically what are the resources we need, what are the people that we need to hire, what are the systems we need to that we need to implement, and what are our targets. And based on that, um, essentially what we do is we get a director or implementer to go. Uh, with our vision to go implement these things over time and then um, essentially uh, with that a lot of marketing a lot of automations between to to kind of scale up these law firms
0: make it sound so easy it's
1: it is it's easier once you do it once um my first time it took me five years to get my first award but the second one took me three years the third one took me a year and a half and then the last one was like eight months wow Um, you want know, to go through the regimen of once, especially the first time. I think the first time is like the bit uh, is like the hump that if you want to get over that, then it really is it's a recipe. Just have to know yeah. the recipe, and then obviously, the rest is going to implement it,
2: mm-hmm. and no one's
1: going to implement it for you. A lot of people, let's talk about that because a lot of people, I feel like, hire or do things where people just expect things to be done for them. There's no a thing, I'm sorry, yeah, um, can't <laughs> do that, or, or maybe they'll set it up, but they won't ever follow through with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of these things you kind of have to know what it is, what the system entails, and then you just have to go higher and put the pieces together yourself.
0: Totally. So when you're building a team, I think, you know, we should dive into that a little bit deeper. Like it's not expecting this team to just build it for you and you just tell them what to do. It's you actually having your hand in it and being the driver of the car with the team, you know, running the engine. That makes sense.
1: Somebody has to, either you or the COO yeah. or CEO, whatever, but somebody has to.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, what Um, is the next big goal you are you are trying to hit right now?
1: AI. It's called Intake AI. Intake um, AI. Intake AI. And we're solving the, uh, the biggest problem for lawyers, which is signing up clients. So what if AI could sign up clients for you? Uh, I could share with you. I've been in the front runner of this uh, for the past couple of months. I've been working on this. We I should have, talk. yeah talk. yeah oh yeah it's crazy um uh right now i'm just uh we already built that it works but now we're just trying to figure out the system for if we need to uh deploy this to hundreds of clients that come on and they want to take advantage of this how we would do that it's just a whole different ball game
0: or would you just sign an exclusive with one person
1: no it doesn't have to be exclusive but i uh, definitely there has to be a threshold of how big you have to be to for this to make sense for you. So you need to have enough leads coming in on a daily basis, essentially.
0: What's what's that threshold?
1: Um, I think we still have to figure it out, but at least a couple of intakers, with at least I would say at this point, it feels like at least dozen, minimum minimum, at least a dozen, if not dozens, of leads coming in per day.
0: So you're looking at like minimum kind of around that 50, 50 today. That'd be kind of that's
1: um like. I would say, like ten to hundred leads a day will be a good place to be, yeah with at least two intakers. Okay. um but it, yeah, um but, man, it's a big value, value, value proposition um because I, the last three years, I've, that's all I've been doing is scaling up these intake teams to send up clients for us. We mm-hmm. got up we got up to four hundred and sixty clients per month being sent up by one of our law firms with intake teams, multiple intake teams for one law firm. But that took three years lot of work a lot of management a lot of incentives a lot of tracking a lot of goals everything in between
2: totally. but
1: this completely could disrupt this entire system where yeah. just one system that could go and get in contact with your leads um qualify them and if they qualify get them signed up if they don't qualify give them instructions on how they can qualify keep them in our pipeline follow up with them uh for the ai to follow up with them later down the line too Wow. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we're about to <laughs> majorly disrupt this. And again, if anybody uh, wants to kind of join this mission uh, with me, uh, find my contact information and reach out to me because I'm literally building out this company right now. Um, and what I found out is actually it's also much harder put, to put this together than I initially thought when I when I started this journey. So I know some people are like, oh, I want to do this too. It's not as easy as it seems. Um, I,
2: I, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> totally understand where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah. Yeah. Broughton Partners has just built out this machine over the last seven years, and it's like the co-counsel model. It's like everything that comes out of other people's mouths is we're just like Broughton Partners but cheaper. I'm like, yeah, I would love to see we'll learn- yeah. do exactly what we do and what we bake out. Like,
1: <laughs> totally.
0: Um, but yeah, it's and the a- data,
1: the data that we're sitting yeah. on, yeah. the best practices and the experience that came from those best practices and mm-hmm. things that we learned along the way. Yeah, totally.
0: So um, what, tell us about your uh, legal academy a little bit. Like how can lawyers, what, what kind of lawyers do you serve? How can you serve them? And what can they get out of your uh, teaching or your program?
1: Sure. So if there's any lawyers who are either thinking of going on their own, or mm-hmm. if you're a law firm owner who already has a law firm, and you just want to take your law firm to the next level, just basically grow more, get more clients, create systems, create automations, hire
2: mm-hmm.
1: hire a team, all that stuff, anything that falls into growing and scaling. Then our program is kind of like the most optimized most likely way for you to actually get the result that you want. Um so it's kind of like a multifaceted program. That's why I call it a program, not like a course. It's not really a course, it's a program.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so all encompassing kind of like how-to's plus um kind of support to help you uh, get this uh, implemented um, tech team um, uh, introductions to p- particular vendors that you may need to depending on where you're at um, accountability networking um, and a lot of other things along the way at resources templates everything that you possibly ever need to again increase your chance of actually you getting become successful at growing your law firm mm-hmm. um, if you're interested just you yeah, just have to go on on Google, just search for My Legal Academy. Um, you'll to go apply for our program, free application. Just go learn, um, get some information. And then on the back end, you'll you get some details about our program and hopefully go to join.
0: Cool. Cool. Um, talk to us a little bit about Chat GPT. What's your vision for this? crazy shenanigan robot
1: (laughs) um i feel like the chat gpt is just one form of application of ai Mm. Um, i think where it's really at is figuring out what are the biggest problems that we have in our life and then how could ai solve that problem and i kind of started this incubation instead of our uh, my legal academy about three four months ago hey what are the biggest problems we're having okay well there's client signups there's customer service there's drafting things, uh, and then a couple of other things that came up. So we started kind of creating incubations inside of our law firm, inside of our program to try to tackle these problems. I kind of took on the intake on. We have somebody who already figured out how to automatically draft anything when it comes to estate planning and bankruptcy, mm-hmm. which has been nice. Um, the customer service we're like we're a couple of, uh, like a week or two away from figuring out. But really, I'm more interested in the in the actual application. Everybody could talk about chat GBD and the prompts. Those are all cool, but now that's really Um, Let's have something that we can actually apply um, that could be automated for us to take a lot of this tedious and repetitive work off our hands that even does it much better than than we could possibly do it ourselves.
0: Mm. Okay, cool. Um, Virtual assistants, do you guys like lean a lot on VAs in your business? And so do do you push your clients that do the academy um, to really utilize VAs or what's kind of the sweet spot?
1: Yeah, yeah. I jumped on virtual assistants seven years ago. I got exposed to it, and then my first year, I hired seven VAs. But when I, by the end of the year, when I analyzed the value of how much I, how much it costs for, for me to have the VA versus the value of that particular VA, that's when it kind of like it was like a light bulb moment. I'm like, this is like the highest ROI thing that I could possibly ever spend money on. So I went <laughs> crazy hiring literally as many VAs as I possibly could. Uh, even there's like a, five years ago, like 60 VAs at a time. Right now we have about like 100, 110 or so. Wow. But I really do see it as like the highest ROI thing you can do for your law firm.
2: Mm. Um,
1: Learn a lot of things along the way. There's a lot of different things that I could share about that. But big picture is I think ultimately it's just literally one of the highest ROI things you can do is to hire a lot of VAs, not just one or two, but a lot of VAs to mm-hmm. do very specialized uh, tasks. Um, I usually, no, I don't hire if you get to go do a bunch of stuff. It's like you, if you do intaking, okay, you only do intaking. If you do a document collection, you only do a document collection. Um, mm-hmm. And then kind of scaling up these kind of soldiers or armies of VAs that can do yeah. very specialized tasks for you.
0: What are, I know that you have like a lot of golden nuggets in your, in your party trick bucket, um, but what are two things that people should look out for? I don't want you to give away all of your secret sauce, but let us have a little taste of what kind of things do you look for in a VA and how do you know that they are going to be good for a certain kind of job?
1: So a lot of people have found uh, fallen into the trap of trying to interview VAs. I think interview is a waste of time. I stopped interviewing when I realized that some of the people that would, some of the VAs that would interview seemed off good on interview, but when it comes to their performance, they weren't good and then vice versa. So mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, why, why should I interview them? Instead, let me just bring them on and give them a short task that they could do within 48 hours and mm-hmm. let their work be the interview. Why do I need to talk to you? I forgot how, to, just go do it. And, and so that's one thing, skip the interview, let the work do itself. Second thing is I kind of find VAs to be, uh, fortunately hit or miss. It's not foolproof. I kind of, write, the equation that I have in my head is like 50, 50. So mm-hmm. if that's the case, let me uh, increase my chances of, of finding the right person by hiring two VAs at a time. I call it rule of twos. There's some things you should do two at a time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's one of those things that, so I always try to hire two, uh, for that, for any role. Right away, within a couple of days, I already know who's better, who does it quicker, who's more responsive, mm. um, and who can just obviously do it better. Uh, but usually those those two first things are a kind of good indication. Quicker and responsiveness is like a huge factor yeah. when it comes to VAs. Um, and then from that right away, within a couple of days, I already know who's a superstar, who's not. If they're both good, great. enough I have two amazing VAs. If not, okay, well, quickly, I was able to find that superstar much sooner and able to kind of grow with them. And then mm-hmm. once I bring on the next VA, that VA goes and works with, with the VA who's been already working with me the longer. So I don't train them. I just basically just give them access to my SOP, have the VA train them, build up a team of threes. And then once you have a team of three, then one of them becomes the manager of those. So you kind of create these units of VA teams and you kind of scale up from there. And then from that, you have organization, you have managers and people under them. and then
0: So smart. Them. Yeah, that was <laughs> so smart. Do yeah. you use um a program called Trainual by chance?
1: um Trainual is great if you're trying to get fancy, but I just like keeping it super simple. So I use a lot of yeah. Google Docs and Google Sheets. So uh-huh. simple Google Doc for as an SOP. That way I could duplicate it for different different law firms. I don't have to forget, you know, figure yeah. things. But yeah, it's it's great. um it, it is good, especially if you can. It is a way for people to check off that yes, i got through the thing. That that thing, that's the one advantage that Trainual has that luck, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. We just recently switched, well, not recently, probably like two years ago to train you all. And I was like, wow, this is a, an amazing piece of software if I was running my own firm or running my own business and trying to onboard people. Um, all right, cool. So let's just go through really quick where people can find you all in one place. I know you sprinkled it along the episode, but. Where can we find you on social links? What's your website? What's your email?
1: So I feel like if people got to this point of the podcast,
2: they will. there's no
1: way you should not be able to go book a call at, uh, at least. So again, My Legal Academy, or just search for my name on Google or on YouTube, or on Facebook or anywhere, Sam Mulai, Um, definitely come and speak to our team. At least we'll have you in our system as we're giving out free trainings and this stuff and sharing all the information you'll be able to kind of receive it i'm also big on youtube um try to list, uh, you know post a lot of value there so just search for for again for my name or search for my legal academy on youtube and you'll be able to find me there as well
0: awesome okay cool well thank you so much for your time sam i really enjoyed reconnecting with you and learning more about you and uh yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking again in the near future.
1: I appreciate it, Amy. Can I add one more thing before you end it? Yes, uh, yes, I feel, yes. I feel like you're doing God's work. Um, something that I learned, um, um, an interesting story of this guy who was very successful. who's a multi-millionaire, billionaire. Um, and they asked him, what is your secret to success? And he said, I learned early in my career uh, to make partnership with God. Make partnership with God. Um mm-hmm. And everybody has a different interpretation of what that means. Um, and I also I remember when I first heard the story, I'm like, what does that even mean? Well, I'll share that again. I'll just share the lesson and then up to you for your mind to kind of try not to figure out what that means. But mm-hmm. once you make partnerships with God and you instill God into your work and you spread his message and you embody it and you live it and you act like it and you try to have people to really understand it. That's when things really take off, and you'll see, like your life will blossom. And that's exactly what you're doing. And I've got to uh, tell, I know you have the right intention with this. Um, I know you're gonna do really, really well with this podcast and 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 everything that you do in life and your in your career.
0: Oh, thanks, Sam. That is so sweet. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, i like I said before, I am not in control. This is his podcast, and I am just trying to figure it out. And thank God, I'm not in control of it because don't know how that would end up, but yeah. Well, bless you too. Your business is booming. You're 35 years old. You're a new dad. How old is your girl now too? Two. Yeah. Two. Yeah. And just, yeah. Blessings to you, my friend.